All right, welcome back into the program on a Friday. We are streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. My name is Jeremy Poplin. This is the show heading into Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Cowboys, by the way, at 2.30 right here on Sunday on the Blitz 1170. Let's hit up that hotline and welcome in Dr. Chris Crane from Tulsa Bone & Joint. You can check them out online, TulsaBoneAndJoint.com. Dr. Crane, how are you doing today, sir? I'm staying warm. How about you? I'm trying to, which gets us to our first topic of the afternoon. And that would be the extreme temperatures that we will see at some of these NFL games. I want to talk about how the body responds to this, more in particular about athletes and some of the challenges that they could potentially be facing when you have a situation. We're not even talking Buffalo yet. Buffalo is going to have lake effect snow and 65 mile per hour winds. I want to talk first, though, just about the bone-chilling cold that we will see in Kansas City where temperatures will be below zero and then the wind chill around minus 30. So what type of impact does that have on the athlete's body? Uh, It's not fun. The body is decently good at cooling itself down. It can deal with that much more effectively than it can handle cold. The main mechanism everyone's generally familiar with in the body's efforts to keep itself warm is shivering, and it's just not a very efficient thing. You're using muscles to try to generate heat to try to keep yourself warm. It's not particularly efficient when you look at it from a thermodynamics and energy standpoint, Um, but the body is fighting this battle of uh, the heat that it's losing and the heat that it's generating. And so we, we look at cold temperatures like this, and we really look at it by those two factors. And when you talk about heat loss, I think you've already covered the wind chill and the wind yeah. itself adding to that, the convection taking heat away from these players. If you add any amount of water, you're talking sweat or even in snow, or if there's any kind of dampness in the from melting of snow, anything that adds water to this picture, you're adding in more ways to leach heat from these players' bodies. This is a constant battle. And so it's something that we see affecting them from a just energy standpoint, but we also see it affecting them physically. The muscles are not as efficient, and the blood flow to the body is not distributed the same as you'd have in a warm room. Um, Specifically, the body is trying to keep the core temperature good. So all your internal organs really want to stay that temperature. They don't want to change. So you've got your core temperature that needs to stay the same. And the way your body kind of fights that is that it treats everything else, your skin, your muscles, as a shell around the core. So your shell temperature can change. And that's why the thermometers in the forehead and things like that don't always read the same as your actual core temperature. Um, but it's something that the blood flow is shifting away from the shell. It's shifting just to keep the core warm. So your muscles aren't getting the same blood flow. You'll see changes in their ability to tolerate cramps. You'll see changes in their ability to generate the same speeds. It's it's a whole body effect for sure. What if you are the type of player that is nursing injuries, just the nagging injuries that every player has? I can only imagine that the cold and this, this the level of stiffness, you just said it restricts blood flow anyway of getting to those areas that are there. I would assume that maybe things hurt just a little bit more in this type of temperature. I mean, I've been cold before. I don't think I've won. I wouldn't be caught dead in minus 30. Like, forget it. This is far north as I could ever live anyway. So 
at not having experienced anything like that, of having to perform like physically. Uh, but I can only imagine it just amplifies everything, Doc. Generally so. The blood flow changes are a pretty big factor to that because the energy uh, is in the blood. The, the sugars that you're eating that you're trying to use to replete the glycogen in the muscles to try to provide fuel to your body as it's doing all this exercise and athleticism, it, it's decreased. It's, it's less flow to the muscles. And so they're, they're feeling more fatigued more quickly. The injuries that you might already have have reduced blood flow. And we see subtle changes in the elasticity of ligaments and tendons under this sort of uh, condition as well. And so things that feel a little tighter, a little stiffer, uh, and if you've got injuries that are already dealing with that, that kind of amplifies those as well. And so this is a this is not a fun time to be a professional athlete in an outdoor sport. Okay, so what about the moments in which uh, you your body is warm from having competed on the field? But football is such a start and stop sport where there could be moments where you spend a significant amount of time on the sidelines if you're a defensive player and your offense goes on a 17 play drive and the next thing you know you look up and game clock wise they've run 10 minutes off of the quarter which could be near 30 minutes or so in real time what is the i guess what's the impact on the body of going from warm to cold to warm to cold to warm to cold because you see everyone huddled around the heaters as much as possible. By the way, I had to learn the hard way. Don't get too close to those things because they will melt your pants. I learned that uh, on the sidelines at Tulsa <laughs> one year. Uh, I had a little little uh, portion right on the back of my calf, and then I looked on the back of my shoe where the heel was, and it was starting to uh, bubble a little bit there. Um, so just a little uh, news flash for you there, kids. But the, from hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold, I, I would think would be another thing that's difficult to overcome. Yeah, I mean, the warm-up period is important, and you want to try to make sure that you're staying kind of warmed up and limber and stretched. You don't want to enter that kind of dormant state. Um, but when we look at these and we talk about the two strategies of either increasing the heat in your body, which is kind of the first thing everybody thinks of, um, that's the least efficient approach. The shivering, the adding, you know, sitting by a, a heater, the at, trying to stay warm with exercise, because most of that is in the shell, so to speak, around your core. It's actually the least efficient way to fight off the core temperature dropping. The better way is to try to reduce heat loss, and that focuses on having shelter yeah. from the windshield and having shelter from those additional elements that you can, you can manage to shelter from. It addresses clothing and having layers of clothing to trap in layers of warm air against your body and help prevent that heat loss that way. So it really, truly, the strategy is to not have to continually warm yourself back up, but to not lose the heat that you have. It's a reason why we've seen as of late, much like they have the medical tents now that everyone goes inside, I've seen the warming tents that they have on the sidelines now. And I thought, okay, all right. I bet you some of those guys like in the 70s and 80s would have uh, very much appreciated some of that technology, and we finally gotten to that point. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to bring up here um, on today's issue is something that I don't think that I've ever heard of before, and I saw a picture of it, and it makes so much sense with the way that it was described. But a swan finger deformity in the middle finger of quarterback Jalen Hurts. Now, the Eagles are just absolutely riddled with injuries right now, and Jalen Hurts is one of those. It's been a back issue. It's been a knee issue. And now this issue with the middle finger, 
Um, he was holding up the middle finger, and everyone was like, hey, Jalen Hurts is flipping off the camera. No, he's not. He was holding it up to show the doctor what that deformity <laughs> in the middle of his finger looked like. So what is a swan finger deformity? A swan neck in the finger is a description of the shape that it takes. kind of ends up with a dip and then an elevation and then another dip, and you kind of see this swan neck or this kind of S shape uh, across the finger. And typically, the main two ways that you, well, no matter what, the way that it forms is the extensor, the back of the finger that helps you extend it away opposite of a grip is disrupted. Something has been damaged in a way that the extensor is no longer acting on the finger appropriately. And so you get this little dip where the finger no, doesn't have that extension anymore. It only has the flexor, the grip side. And so it kind of dips down at the end. But the joint before it still has that extensor. So it looks like it's being pulled back on the closer joint and dips down on the further joint. You can do that with what's called mallet finger or, uh, or even if you cut the tendon at that spot, if you have a, a laceration injury. But the other way to do it is to hyperextend the closer joint in the finger and then the further joint gets kind of pulled in the process of that. So as you hyperextend the close joint down, it puts force on the distal joint, the further joint, and leads to that kind of swan neck appearance. And the injury from that is uh, he didn't return that game, and I wouldn't expect him to. That those, those tend to take a little longer to heal if there is a fracture component. So it'll be very interesting to see how this kind of plays out and how quickly he's able to recover from this. It's uh, the time of the year with uh, bad weather moving in, and that unfortunately means slips and falls. And I know that more than likely um, you'll be busy over the next couple of weeks with that, but we want to encourage everyone to just be safe, take it easy, take all the precautions that you can. And if you do slip and fall, Tulsa Bone & Joint is uh, – just a phone call away or also going to the website because uh, those can be nasty. And I remember the last couple of times that we've had really bad ice storms. Um, I remember even Dr. Stanley saying that hey, we were still seeing patients as much as eight to 10 to 12 months after some of their falls. If you slip and fall and you feel like something's wrong, don't wait. Just go get it looked at immediately. You know, we're happy to take a look at you. The ice is always treacherous. You'll, you'll feel confident on it until you realize you're sitting on your butt. It just it happens fast. It's not something that is necessarily predictable. So just be safe. Dr. Uh, Dr. Crane, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Friday. Hope you have a good weekend. Stay warm if you can this weekend, considering what the temperatures will be. And uh, we will check in again with you next Friday. Sounds great. Take care. Thank you. That's uh, Dr. Chris Crane joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Check him out online, TulsaBoneAndJoint.com. That's where you can go look at all the physicians, look at their bios like Dr. Crane's right there inside of the Sand Springs location. By the way, speaking of locations, besides Sand Springs, Owasso, they've got Bartlesville, they've got Tulsa coming soon in Broken Arrow, and uh, the Physical Therapy Center there in Midtown. Go and look them up right now, TulsaBoneAndJoy.com or 918-392-1400. We'll take a time out, come back with more next year on the Blitz 1170, streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app.